Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fun-filled show, a full action-packed show of simple English listening, giving you podcasts, podcasts listening in simplified, intermediate-level English, listening practice of high-interest topics. Today, we have a special treat for you. We will speak to a, a friend of mine I've known since the very beginning, since the very start of my teaching career, uh, when I first moved to Korea about 10 or 11 years ago, my first job teaching English was in South Korea. So this is my friend, uh, Dave Slapak. Is that how your name is said? Uh, Slapak, Slapak, depends on who's <laughs> saying it. S-L-A-P-A-K, say it how you will. And all of the details will be below this video on the YouTube, on Spotify, all of his contact details in case you might be interested in his, uh, in his course yeah, and in his services as an English teacher, a very effective English teacher who's been teaching some people for very long periods of time and had amazing results, uh, such as this Turkish man who you will talk about and will learn about later in the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, this friend has since made his own online English learning platform. Ooh. And he teaches students around the world from his uh, lovely home in uh, Miami, Florida. That's where you live now, Dave, isn't it? Uh, that's right. I live in sunny Miami, just north of Miami, Hollywood, Florida. Ooh, but not the uh, Hollywood with uh, the red carpets and uh, Val Kilmer. Well, we've got red carpets, but they're not as nice. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah. And uh, well, the classic question is, uh, you know, for some reason they say when you're talking different time zones, people say, well, what's the time over there? Uh, what's well, the time over there, Dave? Well, right now it is 9 a.m. And uh, I believe you're in, you're in Vietnam, so you're 11 hours ahead of me. That's right. And to be fair, like I've never understood why people ask that question. You know, what's the time over there? I see it all the time on these uh, Facebook groups, especially when I'm promoting the podcast. They go on lots of Facebook groups and they're just like, what's the time where you are? I mean, just type it in on Google, right? Like, what's the time in Tehran, Istanbul, or whatever? You don't need to be continuously asking people what the time is. And then they, you know, they respond like two hours later with a time which was like two hours previous which isn't now yes. it will be six <laughs> o'clock six hours from now yesterday yeah so uh have you have you seen people like online like uh, across different communities around the world especially on the like the english learning facebook groups like their favorite questions are what's the time uh, and just how are you today and interestingly <laughs> enough like what's your religion it's a very popular one. Yeah. You know, quite <laughs> personal. Well, yeah. And okay. It, wow. And so, as you can hear, uh, on my throat, I've got this lovely spray right here. Yeah. Um, what is it? Mint honey. Mint honey. Mint honey. Indeed. So, I spray it like so. Every couple of hours, you might notice my voice is, uh, isn't the best today. Course, Not at all. You, you sound know. great. You sound lovely. 
Thank you, thank you. I think it's like, um, of course, I've been going out on Friday, like I'm back in Hanoi. My listeners know that I used to live in Hanoi and I'm back. So I've been going out to like, a, like staff nights, karaoke, everything. But the main thing is that like my voice doesn't heal as easily because we have to teach with masks on, like teaching with a mask. Sure. And uh, yeah, so I find like I overly compensate with the volume of my voice to try and get that clarity and in, in how I speak with second language English learners. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really have a chance to heal. So I think I'm going to risk it for a biscuit next lesson and uh, <laughs> see what the, we'll do what the principal has told us not to do, which is basically, you know, pull my mask down so it's under my chin yeah. and teach that way. Yeah. Well, you know how it is, you know, like I enjoy like a rock and roll and singing and, you know, like a podcasting, obviously, as we're doing now. So it's obviously not ideal if I can't speak. No, you sound you sound perfect. You sound just like I remember you. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So today, guys, first we'll chat about uh, learning English uh, and we'll, ch well, we'll chat about how our past experiences both uh, a bit in life uh, back in the day and our experience of being a teacher, teaching, you know, people like you. And then Dave will tell you all about his new online English learning program, which is very exciting. So this is your new baby, right? To give like a, a quick introduction to it. Yeah. Um, so let's put it this way. Um, our past experiences, you know, we, we, when we started teaching English, we started together and, and that's just a coincidence, mm. right? I mean, uh, my first teaching experience was also in South Korea, you know, in 2012. Mm. And, yeah. you know, uh, we met each other back then. And, uh, I guess through friends, friends of friends and well, well, we dig this. Yeah. So I, <laughs> the way I, when I first heard of you and I think it was you, right. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. So when I, heard of you i was told of a man who like <laughs> while our friends were at a bar in korea you know like like having fun and socializing with all their new friends like young 20 year olds there's a man who uh no tell, tell me this is true or not if it was you maybe it wasn't even you a man who who took off his shoe and put it on the table maybe maybe you don't know like now was this you because for some reason our mutual friend Liesl, before you know, uh, we got to know you well in any way. She's like, yeah, and he and he took his shoe off and put it on the table, and I think that is absolutely hilarious. Whoever it was, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you this. Just you don't I'll, I'll tell you this much. <laughs> that sounds like something I might have done at, at that time. If it was me, I I would like to take full credit for it. If anyone else is out there is listening and they can corroborate this, it, mm. if it was me, please let me know and I will take full credit. If it wasn't me, let's just pretend mm. that it was. Let's just say that it was me. Yeah. So, like, I mean, this is a, a real boat shaker, as in, a, I don't know, I feel like a, a free thinker, uh, an artiste, uh, someone who, who forges his own path, tests the water in this kind of way. Yeah. As you know, as we all know, Korea and Japan are very kind of cultures that are somewhat afraid of shoes. You have to leave them outside, you know. Um, afraid of shoes. I, was, I like that. 
<laughs> but maybe it wasn't you at the same time. It could have not been. Well, I just think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But someone took those two off and put it in the, yeah, I don't know. did make tell, me laugh. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> maybe you want to ask the person who you heard that from. And, <laughs> and we'll trace it back to its origins. We'll do it. Mm, mm. So, uh, so I mean, in, in Korea, of course, uh, yeah. we were, were you working at a public school or like, uh, you got hagwans and there you have yeah. to work like, it's after hours. So right. these kids in South yeah. Korea, they finish school and then for, they go to like English, extra English class, right? Extra science class, Taekwondo, extra math class. And they go home at like 10 PM. Yeah. It's mad. And, uh, it was in these kinds of schools, uh, of course, it's like tens of thousands of them across the country, probably. These are where many people get their first teaching experiences, right? People mm -hmm. like you and I. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was at, at public school. I was at public mm. school. Um, and in retrospect, it was probably the best job I ever had, even to this day. It was the best job because of, okay, I was completely unprepared for it at the time, mind you. I didn't have the proper mm. training or the mental mindset in order to step into this classroom and be successful. But when I think mm. about it, you know, with the schedule and the benefits and, and, you know, everything that came, you know, with, uh, having this type of job, my public yeah. school job in Korea, I would go back to that in a heartbeat because, uh, the classes were very short and mm -hmm. the kids were always well behaved and, um yeah. they loved me you know what i mean they were actually grateful to have me there and um yeah you know besides all the benefits uh but the I mean, vacation that's time I find, uh, yeah um, like across like east asia in general where i've lived for like 11 years now uh, i mean i honestly can't imagine uh going to the uk and being a teacher especially like when you do your teaching qualification you have to go to like the worst schools there uh, it's, it's English students, like English teenagers. And this is, I'm sure, the same in many Western countries. I don't know, maybe the UK is the worst one. Like, they're just so anti-authoritarian. Like, they just can't, you can't tell them what to do in any way, shape, or form. Or, like, they find it offensive. You have to be extremely, like, talented at managing a classroom and uh, building rapport and relating to students. Of course, yeah, like in, in Vietnam, where I am now, like um, the students, are, it's, <laughs> it's like light and day, uh, night and day. Sorry. Yeah. In what sense? Like that the students in Vietnam in are receptive. Of, they want to learn. They, 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 exactly. they pay attention. They, they exactly. Right. They're, like, they're like somewhat like grateful for it. And you can see they don't make your life impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can see as well, like uh, education is just very important in their society. Many adults in a family will put their uh, money together to, to, to educate like one kid, even right. if it's a poorer family, like the, you know, the, exactly. the golden child, they really, really value education. So I think like the children uh, and the teenagers, you know, that I teach, they're, they're aware of this. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know, in the UK, it's, it, well, they take it for granted and, and it's, is kind of less respected, I guess, you know? Yeah, I would mm. say the same thing is true here in the United States, even though this is a mm. huge country and I, my only experiences teaching are here in yeah. Miami, uh, mm. South Florida. So, but I've, mm. I've taught at a wide variety of, in, in a wide variety of contexts here in South Miami. I've taught at, uh, I've taught at high school. 
after school program mm -hmm. teaching a very mixed level and mixed age classes. I've taught at the college teaching Saturday morning classes, uh, you know, yeah. once a week to, you know, yeah. to people I've taught at language schools, like just, you know, mm -hmm. in its purest sense of the word yeah. like language school, like full on language school. I've taught, um, I've taught so online, taught like, I've taught uh, private classes, um, which is what I do now mostly. But to be yeah. honest, to be honest, teaching English is much more difficult to do as a mm. way to sustain myself, as a way to make money consistently. In Miami. It's much more difficult to do. I had to kind of branch out and start teaching different topics. You know, I have a full time also, job now. Yeah. But because a, of that, it's yeah. it's pushed you to to make this online platform, this business. You know, yeah. like had you had you stayed in a, in a comfortable job in Asia, uh, of course, if you're a teacher out there and don't like your job in the West, <laughs> such good opportunities in Asia in terms of like making a good income. The but best. had you you know not gone, yeah, for sure, back to Miami. Like it's helped. It's pushed you to 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 make these cha necessary changes, right? To, well, to it get, was a journey. You want. It was a journey mm. for sure, because, you know, I started off in Korea with you and I was only there for a year. And then yeah. I went to Turkey. I lived in Istanbul mm. for four and a half years. So I definitely had much more of a, you know, home type of, I felt much more at home yeah. there, you know, and I had friends and uh, right. very, 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 very yeah. close relationships. And then I came back to Miami and mm -hmm. I was teaching part-time at language schools kind of piecing together you know my living and then at the start yeah. of the pandemic uh basically all my classes disappeared you know and i was mm. left without an income and i said you know i know enough about teaching and uh i'm a good enough teacher to be able to you know take control of it yeah. and yeah, that's yeah, when i, I mean decided to create the platform mm -hmm. that's when i decided mm -hmm. to create dave's english school which i'll tell you about a little bit yeah. later so basically all these experiences gave you the confidence uh, to do, to, like you're fully confident in your knowledge now yeah. uh, of like language acquisition to, to offer this course. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so Istanbul is yeah. a mighty and epic place. I was there for, for two weeks. Uh, you vi last time you I visited to me. Uh, you visited I, that's me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I was there, there for a day. Yeah. A wild 12 hours. Yeah. You came to the apartment for a little bit. And yeah. uh, I think just and then the we rest. went out. <laughs> and then we walked around for a bit. Uh, yeah. We got a kebab, obviously, yeah. cliche. Yeah. I think we went to a cafe or a bar and got some drinks, right? And you just showed me like a little, a cute yeah. little place there. Yeah. It's, uh, but going there for two weeks, it's, uh, I mean, how? When was that? Visit, when was the two weeks visiting there? What so was it was visit? soon after I last spoke with you, oh. about six months ago. Remember, remember, I I talked to you about traveling around Turkey. Remember, That's I was right. in Cyprus at the time. That's right. Yeah, and I tried to get your advice. So I ended up uh, going to Ist just Istanbul for two weeks and flying to Cambodia. So Turkey is something I'll uh, I'll definitely go back. Uh, it gave me like a small taster of this uh, culture that I've always been interested in and uh, i mean just going there like between northern cyprus where i was and and, and istanbul that was a, an introduction to turkish culture as a real teaser and uh, and that was the life you lived for four years and yeah. uh, like so visiting there and uh, and living there i'm sure are, com are two completely like wildly different experiences uh just like anywhere but probably mo more so than anywhere i don't know where i've lived here's what's funny 
You live in mm. Vietnam. You've been living there for yeah. a while, right? How long have mm-hmm. you been living there? Uh, so this is my fifth year. Uh, so here's the off, thing. Obviously, here's the thing. I've been to Vietnam, and I was there for yeah. two weeks. So I had the yeah. same experience in Vietnam, or the similar one that you had in Turkey. That's pretty funny. Like after yeah, I yeah, left yeah. Korea, after I finished Korea, I went on a trip of Southeast Asia. I went to Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, mm. and Laos. And I spent two mm. weeks in Vietnam, and it was madness. Like Hanoi mm. was intense, and mm. uh, I took, you know, I rode, you know, basically, <laughs> I did the whole north to south trip. I got in a motorcycle accident. I I, I had so many the, wild experiences in those two weeks, and yeah, the, uh, it was full, amazing. I loved it. The full whammy, the full I experience. I loved it. But yeah, yeah again, very awesome. different from living there. Very different from living there. I'm sure. Indeed, yeah. And you got in a bike incident, which is that's of right. course uh, something that's very common here. It's a right of passage. In Cambodia, it, it is indeed, but especially amongst like the backpackers, um, you just. Because I was in Cambodia the last six months, no joke. Like, because obviously it's, it's nearly all backpackers there. Some like one in five. I don't know one in five. Who knows the statistic? Lots of people are just hobbling around <laughs> with like uh, you know self put bandages on their elbows on their knees yeah. you know like people who don't know and they they say like the foreigners you know, they crash a lot because they they drink drive but also they just drive much faster than the locals like the locals are just chilling in the sun like driving maybe like um it's the same in vietnam like you'll have like 15 16 17 year olds like going fast you know they're kind of like showing off but like the the foreigners are always doing that and uh, I know I knew three people who got into bad crashes in the six months I was there. Uh, yeah, just uh, one guy, his kneecap smashed. Like so, his kneecap, the the bit of cartilage on his knee, mm. broke into multiple pieces, and he had to. He was like a mate of where I was staying, and they put him on a sofa. The thing is, it wasn't even my fault. I wasn't driving the thing. I had hired yeah. a driver. I had hired a driver to take me to a, a national park. And he was yeah. the one who got us into the accident. The professional. Goodness. And uh, have you heard of the Saigon kiss? A Saigon kiss is uh, no. where you burn, like you burn your calf because uh, as you get off the bike or in traffic, oh yeah, someone's exhaust will go yeah. against it. And uh, I mean, over here, living here, it's definitely a rite of passage. Did you uh, get it right? I so I'm literally like the only person I know who hasn't got it yet. Right. Uh, so it's just a matter of time. Sure. Yeah. So how did you find the students in Istanbul compared to uh, Korea? Well, again, it was a. If I you had could a, compare I, the two. Well, I mean, I, I, in Korea, I really only had one type of student, which was the middle, like the middle school, the middle school public student. Mm, you know, that was yeah. the only exposure I had there. I didn't have any like. Haguan students, private school students. I didn't have any older students, adults, anything like that. In Turkey, mm-hmm. that's where I got my CELTA, you know, my certificate uh, to teach. Yeah, yeah. That's where I got mm-hmm. that when I was living in Istanbul. And my first mm. class was a class of uh, three older Turkish mm. women, you know, in their 70s, yeah. maybe late 60s, oh, wow. early 70s. And then after that, I started teaching, uh, you know, mixed groups you know like uh 20 mm. somethings you know groups of six yeah. or eight you know not mm. intensive just kind of like at, at this language school called british side which is a great language or at least was a great uh language school in istanbul i don't know about it now but at the time it was yeah. one of the best ones and then um i got a job at uh, a university 
through British mm -hmm. side, they offered me, uh, you know, a full-time teaching gig at a, mm -hmm. uh, a place called Bay Kent University. I taught mm -hmm. there for one year. And then uh, the students there were okay. But then I got yeah. a job at a place called MEF University, M-E-F. And mm -hmm. um, that is a great place. And um, awesome. I, I believe... I believe that it was probably the best experience for me, you know, teaching yeah, 17, wow. 18 year old kids, uh, English yeah. prep classes, intensive, but wonderful students. I had a full range, you know, um, but uh, the mm -hmm. Korean students were definitely more dedicated and disciplined. Why was that 17, 18, 19 year old mm. experience yeah. in Istanbul? Like, why was that the best experience? And do you mean like academically the best or? Like spiritually well, the best or like in terms of improving your game at teaching the best? Yes. Or? Okay. So it's a combination of those things. Uh, first and foremost, the, the organization is very well run and managed. And the vision of Sally Gayford, who was the person who mm -hmm. started that school, um, yeah. was spot on. I mean, she started the school from nothing with a group of very dedicated and talented teachers i believe five or six of them many of yeah. them i know quite well and then from there yeah. they grew into a school that now i believe employs about 50 or 60 teachers and has mm. you know more more than a thousand students who knows how many but they're very successful i believe because of the way that the school is managed they're yes. great at treating their teachers well and making sure that the teachers are happy and not leaving us wondering about anything uh, everything was very clear to us everything had to be a I certain mean, yeah. way and the expectations were made very clear i was very well, happy working like, with that group of people yeah. yeah so like in my korean school like we've had many the korean uh i work at a korean school in hanoi uh so uh all of the the management are Koreans that come for like a two-year contracts uh, usually, uh, two to four years. So I've seen lots of people come and go. And the difference uh, that management can make to uh, the, the the happiness of the employees is is just mad. Like uh, we've had, we've got this wonderful manager right now, and she gives us this space to, and we have this beautiful project-based learning course, and the students make their own NGOs and websites and all these like cool real life skills. We're also learning about the wider world and all that at the same time. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've had also managers that come in, don't even look at the textbooks and they're just like, right, we're changing everything. Cause yeah. it's kind of like, I think it's a cultural, cultural thing to make an impression, right? It's like an, quite an egoic thing, but they're just like, right, I'm going to prove to the principal, like this is the, you know, the director or whatever, prove to the principal that I can do a job. We're going to change the curriculum. And it's just like the amount of stress that it took us, it took us four years to make this curriculum. The amount of stress that that like calls is just mad. Uh, so in Istanbul, uh, where did you have like a, a favorite? Hey, everyone. Hello to everyone from Istanbul out there. I know that Istanbul is one of the top three uh, cities uh, for listening to this podcast. Hello. Uh, I want to know which is there any areas of Istanbul, any neighborhoods that particularly pulled on your heartstrings in any way, or I don't know, just left, uh, but whether whether good or bad, in fact, just left uh, an impression on you. <laughs> well, let's do one good and one bad. 
Okay. Um, luckily, most of the neighborhoods are good. And there's a few of them that are a little bit seedy. Um, not that yeah. many. Especially now, because, you know, they've been gentrified well, do you know, by the uh, city. Do you know uh, Balat? Yeah, Balat. Balat, Balat is beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, so I went there. Like I, when I went to Turkey, uh, yeah. I, w- I met someone on Tinder and they kind of decided to take me out to the places that tourists don't normally see. Right. And yeah, so Balat, they had all these really colorful cafes and houses as well and antique shops. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like really cool. And, uh, but, but then apparently by night, there's quite a few cops there going up and down. And by night, it's got the reputation for being, well, I mean, lots of just crazy high people trying to rob people and crackheads and, you know, people on drugs. Is, is sure. that, do you, do you know of that? And also, I heard that, this is from the person I went on a Tinder date with, I heard that Balat is the, like the center of the jihadi uh, extremist sect uh, in wow. Istanbul. Did you hear that at all? I- I'll be honest, I did not. I don't know anything about that. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's just all these different energies, uh, all yeah. these different energies living side by side. Yeah. I love the, uh, the the sense of community there. You know, you could really tell that some people, they're really proud of this colorful little uh, place uh, that they've obviously helped build up. And uh, yeah, we chatted to a few like owners of the cafes and had some nice chats. And yeah, it was, I, I think that was my favorite part of all, all of Istanbul, like that neighborhood. Because uh, again, it's just it's off the beaten path, right? It's not sure. in the main, like, touristy area of Istanbul. Now, most people um, don't see it until they've been there for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I got that impression. I've been there twice. Um, okay, and it was definitely uh, something unexpected both times. You know, <laughs> yeah. it definitely wasn't something planned. Like, oh, we're going to Balat. It was like, hey, have you heard of this place? It's in Balat, and I'm like, Balat. Oh, uh, I kind I think I know where that is. It's on the other side, right? We got to take the boat to get there. And yeah, it's kind of hmm. out of the way. Um, and there's definitely, a, few, definitely like a, a hidden gem. And there's a few uh, hipsters there. I'd, uh, maybe, you know, if, if I were to live in Istanbul, I might consider uh, yeah. Balat or somewhere like that. Well, but anyway, sorry, well, what were you saying about uh, well, neighborhoods? And- yeah, I mean, everybody talks about a place called Kadikyoy which is mm. um, probably the best in terms of nightlife and food and just energy. I mean, yeah. if you're looking for a real like European, you know, you know, high class experience, mm-hmm. can't go wrong with Kadikyori, especially the nightlife is so good and the clubs, oh, and the sorry. bars, all that stuff. Uh, but it's a little bit busy. It's too busy, you know, to consider yeah. like the best neighborhood. It's not even a neighborhood anymore. It's like its own like its own city really but i'll say yeah. that uh there's a neighborhood on the european side called jihangir which is actually mm-hmm. where i was living when you came to visit when you came to my house that was the neighborhood i was living in and yeah. uh, that neighborhood is really really great at least it was back then things change a lot from yeah. what i understand but um i really yeah. loved living in jihangir uh very mm-hmm. you know very safe and and beautiful and just nice buildings and clean and very nice. Mm, mm. Um, lots of cats. There's lots of cats everywhere, but these cats were really, really <laughs> wonderful. I'm a big cat person. Yeah. Uh, then, then nice. I lived in a I lived in a neighborhood called Tarlabashi, which is mm-hmm. you know, like the polar opposite, I guess. Tarlabashi is considered. Uh, it's definitely got a worse reputation than Balat. I'll tell you that. 
that's the place nice. where, that's the place where people would go to get drugs. Like if you wanted to go get street drugs, that okay. was the place. The place was. So was that, yeah, uh, was there like a people rolling around on the floor like barefooted? Uh, just like you get like outside maybe not rolling, European train stations. Maybe not That's rolling around, was, <laughs> but definitely barefoot. I was in, <laughs> so I was in, uh, I was in Rome uh, and Napoli recently. Like Italy has got, I mean, I think just in Europe in general, like all of the weirdos and the crackheads, they hang out outside the train stations. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, the, the main central station in Rome was just like, it, it, there were some right states. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, just like outside, you know, uh, yeah. literally rolling around on the floor barefoot. And I so, had some friends. I had some friends get mugged in Tarlabashi. I lived in Tarlabashi and never had any trouble, but I had some friends yeah. get mugged while they were walking okay. through there. So mugged means uh, to to be robbed. Yeah, uh, some or someone takes your phone and your wallet and your money. So well, that's yeah, that's un unfortunate. That's that's yeah. big city living, of course. Yeah. Like pretty much every big city in the world, it's uh, yeah. You got to be uh, careful. Indeed, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, do you have any like fondest memories of uh, Korea? So I was thinking of something. Did you go to the Burning Man festival there? I did, I did, yeah, and and I you were you there, and you uh -huh. were there too. I believe uh -huh. there's a picture of Mike yeah. McGilvray bullying you yeah uh there is, he's uh he's sitting on me that's right he's and, sitting uh, he's sitting on you we're talking about a giant man here folks a giant giant man sitting he on had tristan's chest nine no he had eight mcdonald's breakfasts yeah in a <laughs> row and a hot dog whilst he was waiting to be served he, but this he, guy he picked up he he picked me up <laughs> with one arm and picked up my ex-girlfriend with the other arm <laughs> Yeah, at the same time, he's a, he's a giant savage, but you know he's like a brown belt in Brazilian yeah. jiu-jitsu now, and he's right. a really proud. He's got three gyms in China. Yeah, uh, so heard. back then, obviously, he was a bit. Uh, he just loved to party, like being like having a laugh, you know, being like the clown in like the yeah. you know the kind of metaphor sense of the word, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's uh, super switched on. You know, he, he knows how to have fun. He, he, we, me, and him have kept in contact. You know, like ever awesome. since then. And like he chose to keep in contact with me, like uh, once every few months. Like we'll have a phone call. Uh, he's in, invited me to his wedding in Bali. Uh, but yeah, I just remember he was going around just picking up people, sitting yeah. on them. But that was quite epic. So Burning Man Festival is Loved in it. America normally and they had a smaller version in korea so in america it's in a big desert in nevada and is it nevada or arizona or new mexico or something like that it's nevada and um yeah and it's kind of one major one major as part of it is they build this is all music and people are covered in paints and glitter like making their eyes sparkle and feathers and and all of this and they build a big man, a big wooden effigy man, and people, they write notes, uh, their regrets, and uh, the things they wish they could change about their life, and I don't know, or things they were sad over, things that they wanted to be free of. So you just write it on, on a note, and you'd stick it on this, like, 20 meter high burning man. Were you there for that bit, Dave? I, I no, I was not. You're just in I, the forest somewhere. Well, <laughs> lost. I, um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I actually didn't 
take part in this ritual you're talking about. I didn't do that. Okay, yeah. yeah. I just so, I just wanted to see the thing burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from like a from a night like, perched like upon a branch, like in 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 the, in the forest surrounding the beach. Yeah, it was at that beautiful beach as well. It was beautiful. I don't remember. Do you remember the name of that beach? I don't remember the name I, of that beach. Well, it was just like in the middle of nowhere, right? Oh, they they man. went to a, a place that was very, very spacious. But anyway, so uh, I can't, I don't even think I wrote anything on a note, but they burned it down. They burned down this <laughs> massive thing. And uh, like, and I was just walking around. And so I just burst into tears and everyone was like holding hands. And it was like a super emo hyper emotionally charged moment. Again, like I'm not sure I even wrote anything, but I was just getting carried away with the like the atmosphere and the magic and the stars looking down at us. Uh, I think that was definitely like a my most fondest memory. Of definitely, Korea, definitely top five for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gone. May, may I tell a story? <laughs> Please, yeah. So maybe you remember, <laughs> yeah. maybe you don't. So I remember one time. Uh, we were at, uh, it was in Busan. It was either KNU or PNU, but it was mm. a, loads of people walking around. And then there were, were two nightclubs that were across from each other. One of them is called Blue Monkey, I think. Yeah. What was I the other the one, one across from it? What was the one across from it? Do you remember? Uh, this was uh, near like the family mart, right? Like yeah. 7-Eleven <laughs> and opposite <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. And like one, and I, like one of Carly's friends was just like, kind of just, yeah. So what, they were in complete states, but uh, and we had to like run away from them or something, and we went. Is this no? Go on, continue your story. Right. So this night, <laughs> on this particular night, it was, I believe, it was, uh, their the, the nightclub that we were at, which I believe was Blue Monkey. They had their, mm. they were having their first yearly um like cross dressing party. It was like kind of like gay pride oh, that yeah. they were celebrating. And you know, yeah. there was there were loads of men coming in dressed as women, and you know, uh, mm. women coming in dressed as dudes or whatever. So, oh yeah, everyone was in dressed as the. Do you opposite. remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that? I remember like I picked up like a two dollar dress from like yeah. right like a market. Yeah, and uh, just <laughs> so so wait 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 so um, let me with like massive earrings in in my head. So, yeah, yeah. So we and that were... was a good night. Well, we weren't, you know, we didn't go to that party together, but you were definitely there. And mm. I was there with a group of people and you were there with your own people, I guess. And our yeah. nights went in separate directions. <clears throat> and yeah. I ended up, I ended up going off and hanging out with this one group of people. And mm. it was out till, you know, we were out till very late. Um, sun mm. came up, you know, obviously, what are you going to do? Go to sleep? No way. So we were well, out just Korea. partying. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In we, Korea, like this is just what happens every yeah, we, Friday night. Yeah, go on, go on. We were just partying. And then, mm. you know, it, as the sun was rising, you know, we kind of started to tone it down a little bit. Like I wasn't going to keep drinking throughout the day. Like I figured like, okay, it's time for some breakfast. Let's drink some juice. Mm. Let's go to the yeah. beach and like hang out before the crowds get there. So I show up to the beach with this group of people. And who do I see on the beach? But Mr. Tristan Palumbo hanging out with a group of Nigerians, just sitting yes, on the beach. That was classic. Just sitting yeah. on the beach, just yeah. just being well, friendly. I, I yeah, well, I, I fell in love with one of them as well, and we we're frolicking. 
like in the <laughs> waves. Uh, I kept in I've kept in contact with her even to this day. Uh, that was a classic time. Yeah, and I think I remember like a classic picture. Oh yeah, of, uh, which I yeah, took. Me, yeah, I think, you, and me wearing a bra with a cigarette and, falling uh, out of your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it's one so, of the best uh, pictures ever, and it's I took it. Yeah, it it definitely is. Like I yeah. sent that to like a few friends. Like and your hair, like, you and know, your hair how, in that yeah. picture was fantastic. You look like Billy Idol. Yes, and this is how it was. Like we we're in our mid twenties, right? Our mid twenties, living in South Korea, and it's uh, it's definitely like a weekend culture, right? Like everyone, yeah, you work hard during the week, and then come Friday, everyone becomes a weekend warrior. And you just go out and go mental, Man. and then mental. Sunday you re you recover, and then Monday you know you do Back it all again, it. and that's, that's the cycle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want to do it and again, the, but I'm not sure that I would have the energy <laughs> to. No, uh, that's the thing. Like I definitely can't. It's you, your body changes, but I'm very very glad that we did when we could sure. because it's classic memories, and of course, uh, being in these situations, uh, it definitely it gives you a kind of uh, you know street smart a kind of wisdom uh a kind of tolerance to like all kinds of different people yep uh, so the guy we're talking about with the brown belt so uh, his own gyms in china uh mike uh he his nickname was a uh, he was probably there somewhere do you remember this his nickname was mike cheese absolutely he would walk around with yeah. a block of cheese and just <laughs> eat it. just and he would offer it to people say do you want a bite <laughs> <laughs> so in Korea, uh, cheese is very rare. Uh, cheese is seen as more of a Western thing uh, all across East Asia. Cheese. So, uh, mm, in indeed, yeah, that's that's what they call it. So he like as a way to not really make friends, but he would always have a big block of cheddar cheese, like which is right. like a you know like a, a, a dense orangey British mm -hmm. cheese, but it's quite it's got quite a strong flavor. And if you uh, as a kind of way to for him to show he respects someone or admires someone or just like you're my friend now he'll just he would just grab his you know his his big old bear paws uh probably covered in sweat and grime mm -hmm. and just pull off a bit of cheese mm -hmm. and just give it to you mm -hmm. and then you'd have to like eat it in front of him yeah and uh, and then he'd kind of nod his head like uh you know like in respect kind of thing like he just nod his head at you like whilst you're eating the cheese in front of him right and it's like you're one of us now Do you yeah. i'm pretty that? sure i'm pretty sure at that point you didn't really have a choice i think you'd have to eat the cheese or he'd cave your head in <laughs> yeah yeah i think so so let's uh well i guess we, go, we talk about teaching a little bit more like uh, sure. so we've known so many teachers right like uh at this point uh, we've been teaching for 11 years yep. and uh, many have dropped off. They found, you know, other careers and, uh, or they've gone in different directions in their life. So what keeps you still, still teaching, you know, like, uh, what's your motivation, uh, in this, in this profession? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. I would have to say that the main, uh, reason is mm -hmm. Uh, the money. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's no teacher will ever say that. But um, <laughs> the 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 main reason is the unless you live in China. Go yeah. On. Well, Continue. yeah. The um, every once in a while, every once in a while, you come across mm. a student who 
reminds you that uh, it's 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 a good idea to do something well. You know, I I always feel mm. like no matter what you do, no matter what job mm. you do, you should do it well. You should do it to the best of your ability. Now, often people mm. won't appreciate that. You know, like you'll you'll do something to the best of your ability. And other people won't give you the credit you deserve or appreciation. But every once in a while in teaching, I come across a student who is very motivated to learn and has the right mindset. And when this happens, uh, usually what happens is I create a very strong bond with that student. I'll give you an example. Mm. So <clears throat> yep. when I first started Dave's English School at the start of the pandemic, <clears throat> I didn't have mm. a lot of the materials planned out. I didn't have a clientele. But I mm. received, uh, through word of mouth, uh, a group mm. of students, uh, three, mm -hmm. three students who live in North Carolina, who's, that's not close to Miami, but you know, because of online learning, it was possible. So we would have online classes and it was three students. And of those three mm. students, only one of them really, you know, decided to see it through, you know, and, and this, this person, this man, he started out at basically like, I want to say starter level, like not even elementary, but like beginner, you know, like he knew a few words, but he really couldn't put together any, you know, concrete ideas in English. And he stuck with it. And he, uh, we've been studying now together for about two years. It's been about two years since he started with me. And he's at an intermediate level now. Now we're we're not talking about a young person who can uh you know absorb the language quickly and efficiently. Uh we're talking about a man, you know, in his in his 30s who has never learned another language before. He's very busy, you know, he works 40 50 hours a week. He has a family, like he doesn't have the time uh so to speak to take an intensive course the way, you know, kids would. He has so many other things on his plate, but he's so dedicated and he was able to absorb I want to say like 85 to, to 90% of the, of the, of the classes that I would give to him, you know, all the grammar, all the vocabulary, he was able to absorb everything, uh, very, very well. And, um, he went from zero to intermediate in, in, in just under two years, which for a man, for, for a person in that situation is very impressive. And I'm extremely proud of him. And we're friends now because we were able to develop this very, very strong bond. You know, I've never met the man face to face. You know, it's just something we do like you and I are doing now, you know, mm. Zoom classes. And well, it, uh, like, yeah, you made such a difference to his life. Like it's quite literally like, uh, like you're his sensei in some way. Absolutely. You know? I do feel As that in, way. Because of course, karate and uh, all the guru to like uh, the meditator, because these are like uh, profound and and deep changes. And if he learned like to that degree, yeah, uh, I mean, well, the, by the sounds of it, you truly, truly changed someone's life. Yeah, uh, you and, know? and I wish and I wish I had inspiring. I wish um, I had that experience. Uh, I really wish I had that experience more often with students. But unfortunately, most uh, most of the time you get people who are only half interested or they lose sight of what's important to them. They don't, you know, they don't stick with it. They're not as dedicated, but I would say just going back to your question, like the, the best thing is, is the connections that uh, you, you form with the students and not all the time, but every once in a while you get someone really memorable and that person becomes part of your life. And, mm. um, 
he's he's a good friend now you know and when we have classes we chat you know like we're chatting right now you and i you know we just talk about stuff in english and he can do it he can do it now because he he dedicated himself and uh, i just think it's something very human it's something that i deeply admire to see dedication like true dedication like that it's always impressive and inspiring uh, I mean, having been through so many different interests and pursuits and hobbies as I have, such as, uh, well, I mean, this podcast, like playing guitar, like, I mean, so many different things, uh, but never really, really like sticking like all the time to anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, if like true dedication, yeah. uh, just like our friend Mike Cheese achieving his brown belt after like 20 yeah. years doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or whatever. Yeah, it's just something that gives me goosebumps. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you have like in Japan, for example, you know, like I, I kind of find that part of the, the culture is like they, they already do something like with all of their heart, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of like make a whole lifestyle around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like teaching is, um, it's like, a, it's unlimited. There's no ceiling, like there's no top to it. Uh, it's only limited by the creativity of the teacher, you know, like some jobs uh, you can only if like there's a conveyor belt and you're working at maybe like a, I don't know, like a gloves factory or any kind, I don't know exactly. Uh, but you just, you're just basically doing a kind of a robotic function. I mean, not every factory, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm not, this is nothing against people who work at factories. Well done and all that <laughs> <in the> job, <laughs> but as in, but as in it's the same function every time, but there's a ceiling to it, you know, like there's, um, whereas what I, one thing I like about teaching is it's a job that I mean, lots of people can do or try, but it's kind of unlimited, I guess, you know, there's like, there's no, there's yeah. no rooftop. There's no limit. Like the yeah. sky is the limit from sure. yeah, both the teacher and the student. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, like mm-hmm. I don't only teach English anymore. Now I work That's at right. a, yeah. I work, I work at a private uh, school now and I teach math and science. Like that's what they mm. needed. So that's yeah. what I, that's what I do now full time. I still do my English teaching uh, on the mm-hmm. side uh, to, yeah. to, stu- to students who really need and want it, but it's not, I don't show up to school to teach a classroom full of people how to teach English. I just don't do that anymore. I can, mm. and I would, mm. but uh, but you know, you, it's kind you, of you not what's bills to pay as well. Exactly. Like so ESL here, jobs, yeah. they're hard. They're hard to cut. The, the the really good type ESL jobs that you can find abroad are much harder to find in the in Miami, at least. So yeah, yeah, I teach I teach math and science, and you know, am I a brilliant scientist? No, but I can read mm. and I can learn. Am I a mm. brilliant mathematician? No, but I mm. am pretty good at math. I mean, I I. I I was always good at math and I can do the operations and I understand the concepts of math and I apply math mm. to my daily life. So mm-hmm. it, it, I can do it without too much of a shift, you know, teaching all mm. the things that I learned about teaching English. I want to say that 85 or 90% of those principles transferred over into teaching math and science. Like it's not really any different. You're still dealing with people, right. you're still dealing yeah. with concepts. So, yeah. And I guess like things like managing the class and getting them to work in like a pairs and in groups of four and like feedback uh, sure. uh, strategies, like all of these can be transposed between all subjects, really. There are very, 
quite there universal. Are very few, yeah, there are very few times when you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Very, very mm -hmm. few situations where you cannot put students in groups to work together. A big talking about motivation, like a big motivation for for me, like uh, more than the more I think about it, the more it becomes the case is uh, like I've read a statistic, like 55% of the of all of the internet is in English. 55%. Uh, so 55%. And and the rest is like every other language. Right. So you know, people say, I want to learn English to make foreign friends or this or that. But actually, the most important reason, the most important reason to have to learn is to have access to all of the world's information to have access to 55 to this 55 percent of the internet mm -hmm. uh this is where you'll find more information on like scientific discoveries or new developments uh around the world or like for example youtube videos of how to use certain programs like you're on photoshop or editing a video you want to add coloring to someone's hair i mean how many videos for something that specific are in cambodian or finnish you know, probably one or none, because uh, there's a very small pool. There's a smaller population that speak these languages, so a, a smaller pool of uh, knowledge which is out on the internet. Uh, but of course, uh, if you understand, like understand English, then you have access to, to to basically the ideas that are right on the frontier of human understanding. Uh, and that for me is, and as someone who uses the internet all the time to get information as I am, uh, that is like, if I were, were an English language learner, that would be the most important reason to learn English. Mm. I mm. find that I agree with you. Um, mm. I mean, I cannot speak to the motivations of, of others, but I can speak to my own experiences about learning a foreign language and what is the most important reason to do it. So whether you're learning Cambodian or Finnish or Spanish or any other language, in my case, I lived in Turkey, so I had to learn some Turkish, you know? And for mm. me, it was, why? Why do I need this? Well, while I was living in Turkey, it was for survival. I mean, I had mm. to know, you know, how to ask for directions, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I needed yeah. to know how to ask some, anybody on the street is the bank this way or that way, or where is the bank or is there a bank nearby? I had to figure out how to ask the question so that I would be understood so that mm -hmm. I would receive a response. Even, even if I mm -hmm. couldn't necessarily understand that response in that moment, just the fact of getting that response was elemental for me like i i needed that yeah and yeah. you know that transferred into you know talking to the taxi driver or going to the supermarket and asking if they have a certain product and then for me it was survival and eventually you know i i had a turkish landlord i rented an apartment my landlord was turkish in the beginning i had people help me communicate with my landlord because he didn't speak any english but after a while you know i became responsible for that myself so <clears throat> I had to learn certain terms and phrases about, you know, renting and contracts just to fulfill the need of negotiating with my landlord. You know, one time the, the heater broke. So I had to talk to him about whose responsibility it was to fix it and uh, when the repairman was going to come and the procedure for all those things. So 
I had to prepare mm. for that. I actually had to take the role of the student to prepare for that conversation. And I was successful. Mm. But if I hadn't prepared yeah. for it, things would have been very confusing. So I think mm. that the most important thing in learning a language is learning something that you will use, learning something that will be that you're actually going to use in your daily life. If you're not interested in fashion, why am I going to learn? Why am I going to teach you? Or why are you going to learn uh, mm. terms about fashion or the fashion industry when you don't care about it? It has to be something yeah. that you connect with on a deep level. Yeah. Uh, so that, so that is so true. It. So I 100% agree about like, uh, the, the biggest motivator is if you're going to be using it in your day-to-day -day life. And you know, when I stopped learning Vietnamese, I stopped learning Vietnamese when I knew that I was going to leave Vietnam, you know, it just seemed a bit kind of pointless at that point. But um, now you're back. And even now, like, like, I think I would, I would only learn, well, I'm back now, but I think I would only learn it if I had like a Vietnamese wife or I don't know, like a business here or definitely was staying here long term. Uh, but I did, I still do learn Italian, like Italian is my second language, because I always know that Italy is going to be a part of my life because I, I try to visit there as much as possible. Like my dad is from there, got family there. I never, I didn't learn any Italian through them. My dad only ever spoke with me in English. So I taught, I taught myself Italian as an adult, but because it's, um, it's, I know I'm going to use it in the future. And also, I mean, you can expand into any romance language uh, quite easily, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like Spanish, French, Romanian, whatever. Yeah, the need, there has to be a, a use case for it. And I've had friends who have learned, two friends actually, tried to learn Japanese. And one of them was visiting me in Vietnam and was telling me the other day, like they tried for three months to learn Japanese. And then they realized, actually, like, I don't actually need it, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's just, uh, just doing it for pleasure. Yeah. Which is, which is nice and all, but having learned Italian to the, to the degree that I have, it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to learn a new language and, and life is only so long. Right. So then it depends if that, if you have things that are more important to you that you want to achieve in your life than that, you know, something that you don't necessarily need in the immediate sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just saying that I agree with what you're saying about the use case. Uh, learning as a, such a driver uh, for learning. Yeah, yeah learning, learning a language because it's a novelty, because it's fun is great. Unfortunately, 95% of people aren't in well, they're not in a position to learn a language just because it's fun or because it enriches them. Most of the time, mm -hmm. most of the time, people are learning a language because they need it. Going back to mm -hmm. the case of my student who I've been teaching for two years, his, mm -hmm. you know, he speaks English at work. Like he needs to use, he needs to speak the functional English at work. So we work yeah. on that a lot too. We work on general mm -hmm. English, but you know, he needs to specifically speak at work. I, you know, he can't just learn, you know, English about, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, medicine or English about, uh, you know, law or anything like that, just because it's for fun. And he can't mm. just go and learn a different language. He doesn't have the time. He needs to learn what he needs to know. 
So I, it's it, it's nice for you, for example, to learn Italian. You don't need it. You mm -hmm. do it because you want to. It's a hobby. It's a love. It's a passion of yours. But I think most people don't have that luxury. But also, like I'm kind of, I'm pretty sure that I will end up in Italy, you know, or Portugal. And it's interesting. Like I, I keep learning it because maybe it's just my subconsciousness, you know, expressing the fact that. I want to end up uh, living in the Mediterranean area one yeah. day. I actually did try to <laughs> learn Korean on my own last year with Duolingo yeah. and all this stuff. I, I I was doing okay, and then I lost my motivation after two months because I was like, "Why am I doing this?" But I I yeah, did yeah. I did pick up a few <laughs> extra words through this, but yeah. I, I I totally gave up. Mm -hmm. So Dave, uh, <clears throat> slap hack. Slay pack, I, I guess, is most yeah, easiest for people to say. Okay, so Dave, so do you have any um, any guiding principles or like guiding philosophies or ideas for a person to learn English fastest or most effectively? Yeah, that you. This, this is obviously quite a big question, <clears throat> and um, I okay. mean, yeah, and I mean, answer it. Sure. How how you will, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's something sure. we can discuss. It's always it's quite interesting because because teachers you develop because you because everyone notices like little things that work that doesn't work uh, and you've obviously taught in lots of different contexts as well and yeah. you yourself have been a second language learner which is a which I think is par it's imperative uh, paramount these words meaning very important for a teacher to to experience learning a second language you have to know the student's perspective. But anyway, going back to that question, and if you have any guiding principles or ideas uh, to, to learn English? Um, well, I have a yeah. lot. I have a lot of them. I actually mm -hmm. made it a point to write all of these things down. Like, what mm -hmm. are the guiding principles? What are the ways to do it? And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I actually made a note of all these things. And, you know, basically, I have a lot, but uh, I'll try to say the ones that maybe other teachers won't say. Like most people say, you have to set goals. Yeah, it's true, but I'm not going to talk about that because everybody knows that. So let's talk about things that <clears throat> maybe the students are not aware of. So let's do three principles that the language learner maybe doesn't really know. Okay, so mm -hmm. the first thing I'm going to say is write everything down. Like people don't make it a habit to write it like students think that they can just hear it and remember it it's probably not going to work okay? that is so important for, for any kind of learning uh, a, so i'm have a notebook write it all down yeah, just, just write definitely. it down so that when you don't remember it because there will be things you don't remember you have a record of it like you mm. have to have the record on your paper that is key very very Actually, important I find it it's uh it's i get truly frustrated if i have students who don't like especially adult students right like who don't write things down and they're just mm -hmm. sitting there mm -hmm. and i've spent all of this effort like creating mm -hmm. a lesson and they're just passively just sitting there just expecting to just like yeah. oh, i don't need to write it down you know right. ah, it's okay like uh, it's, uh, i i remember i remember teacher it's yeah, uh, yeah. personally it frustrates me but yeah. good point yeah 
But this this is because the student maybe it's not the student's job to understand how the language is acquired. It's our job to understand how the language is acquired. So th your question is very important because a lot of students will say, oh, you know, I have a great photographic memory. I don't need to write these things down. But they don't understand that by writing it down, they are creating a shortcut in their brain between the thought and the expression. Right, because mm. let's say <clears throat> the word is banana, easy word, right? If you don't write mm. it down, maybe when you want to use it, it takes you three seconds longer to come up with the word. But if you write it down, you shorten that time to maybe two seconds because you have created a path in your brain. So writing it is actually, you're creating the physical connection between your hand up to your brain and from your brain to your mouth, it all kind of connects and makes things easier, you know? So that's mm. really, really important. Even if you think I'm talking to all of Tristan Palumbo's students right now, if you think that you don't have to write it down, you probably have to write it down. Like just mm. do it because it will make things so much easier for you and for your teacher. Everybody wins. And that's a point. Maybe there's something neurological, a uh, neurological adjective for something regarding the psychology of the brain in, in the association of writing it down and learning mm -hmm. the sound of it right, and learning the meaning of the word. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, you know, having that writing it down, it, you've made a, a stronger neurological connection, possibly. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That's so that's my first uh that's my first piece of advice. Um mm. the second piece of advice and this one may be obvious maybe not but you you should have a study buddy. You you need someone mm. with who's kind of at your level of of English who you can study with and practice with because sometimes we just want to study with an app or we just want to have a teacher a private teacher to teach us but um, we don't get that practice, you know, and practice is what builds fluency. Maybe you know something very well. Maybe you're very good at grammar and you're very good at vocabulary and your pronunciation is great. But if the, the purpose of having a, a study partner is so mm. that you can use it a lot, you know, so that you when it comes time to go out into the real world, maybe you're at a work meeting or you're at a party or you're on the street it doesn't matter what the situation is you will be more ready to use the language the study partner helps you um learn faster and stay motivated it's like going For to the sure. gym it's like going to the gym mm. when you have a, a someone to spot you you know like someone to you know you're doing nine push-ups but you got to do 10 but you know you're dying by that ninth push-up your partner helps you, you know, they spot you, they help you get to that 10th push up. And when you achieve it, you get that pat on the back and you build that human connection, which is what language is all about. Language doesn't exist in a vacuum. Language exists in the world where other people speak the language. So you cannot isolate yourself when you're learning a language. You have to talk to different kinds of people in different situations. And that starts with having a study buddy, a, a study partner. Yeah. And also, yeah, 
it, it, it keeps a person accountable. It makes gives them some kind of responsibility because if you don't feel like studying that day, then then also you're, you're letting down someone, right? That's right. Uh, and I like what you said about human connection. Like that is fundamentally mm -hmm. one language is it's, it's it's kind of like it's a it's a way that we can put thoughts into other people's heads i think my third um, my third piece of advice is about the number mm -hmm. three i saved mm. three for last because i said i was going to give three pieces of advice and my last mm -hmm. piece of advice is about the number three now i've noticed that three is kind of a magic number in our world three is a very psychologically satisfying number when we set tasks for ourselves or in the real world, three is a number that fits nicely into our heads. Two or one is probably not enough. Five is too many to remember or to apply. Three is kind of this perfect number. And it goes, it, it, it works for language as well. If you're going to learn something, okay, let's say, again, any word, banana, it doesn't matter. The first time you see that word or the first time you hear that word, you're probably not going to uh, remember it or be able to use it afterwards. You might understand it the first time, but you're not going to uh, be able to use it immediately. The second time, the, again, that pathway is shortened. So uh, it's faster to get you know to that word when you need to use it. The third time is when it's like, you know, you hammer that nail in you know, the hammer and the nail analogy, where it sticks, you know, you want it to stick. So three times, you know, is is kind of the, the, the target that you should aim at. And that means uh, writing it three times, saying it three times, uh, hearing it three times, uh, all of the skills, right? Pronouncing it correctly three times, and not three times in, in three seconds, it has to kind of be spaced out. So if I teach you the word banana now, in five minutes, I'm going to ask you, do you remember this? Or I might show you the picture to which you have to say, mm, banano, banani. Okay, you're close because you haven't had that, that third chance yet. So I correct you, no, banana. And then 10 minutes later, I'll go, what is this? And in theory, you should be able to say banana much more easily than just the first time. So remember the rule of three, okay? You have to look at something three times, at least three times, to truly master it. Uh, a word. We're and, talking about a word yeah. in this case. Yeah. And that three times is an interesting idea. And that can also be transposed, I'm sure, to learning everything, right? Like all things within all different kinds of topics. Awesome. Well, th thank you for that advice. Uh, and I noticed on uh, uh, those are actionable takeaways. Actionable takeaways is like uh, advice that you can take away and make action. Uh, and th these are things that you can do tomorrow. So that's actually my favorite kind of advice. Uh, so I noticed on uh, Facebook, you were hosting a live English class. Mm -hmm. uh, is this related to your project uh your well rather your online learning platform or business yes i mean the idea was to do one free class per week um mm. and honestly i haven't been doing it every week because mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm not very good at marketing myself, to be honest. I'm mm -hmm. not very good at, you have thousands of followers. I don't know how people do it really. I kind of, I, I did the best I could to develop a good product, but I'm not very good at marketing myself. So I, I haven't received a lot of interest in this free class. Um, mm -hmm. if I get even three or four people saying, is there a free class happening? I will organize the mm -hmm. class and I will do the free class. But awesome. the last few, the last few times that, um, I've tried to do the free class, uh, very mm. few people have come or it's the same people, you know, like I'm not getting, mm -hmm. I want, I want more people to come and take the free class. So if you're hearing this listeners, mm. um, you can take down my information and you can write to me and you can tell me that you're interested in taking a free class and I will make that happen. Absolutely. I want to help you guys. So we'll set up a time and a schedule and, um, I will put out, uh, the necessary information through Facebook and Instagram and everybody will know when that free class is going to be. So you hear that listeners. So Dave is, if you get in contact with him through the contact details at the bottom of this video, uh, Dave will organize a free class for you with his uh, 11 years of uh, teaching experience. And, um, yeah and that's a that's a that's an absolute great deal i think uh people will definitely be interested in that you you recently tied the knot didn't you uh that is a uh, slang for i guess get married right did, did you correct. meet forgive me if this is too personal I, I don't have to include it but it's but i just want to say congratulations bro congrats uh, is it someone you met it's a turkish girl is it Yes, we met while I was living in Turkey. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, I met her right as mm -hmm. I was finishing uh, my CELTA course, my teaching certificate. I, yeah. was, um, I was taking the course with five or six other people. And mm -hmm. one of those people, another student in the course, yeah. uh, was having a birthday party. Mm -hmm. And I went to the birthday party. And that's where I met my wife, who is a friend of the, the girl I just mentioned. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we met through just kind of life, you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, yeah. And, and we met in Istanbul, you know, mm -hmm. long time ago, yeah. Eight, yeah. eight, nine years ago at this point, I guess it was a very long time ago that we met. And uh, yeah. Yeah. it's been a journey. And uh, yeah. she's here now and uh, we're married. We got married few months ago in february yeah and uh yeah it's going great like it's a transition it's a change for sure it's a big change yeah in lifestyle but it's mm -hmm. going well so would you like ever you're in miami now and you're saying it's difficult uh teaching there financially like a uh, right teaching english there financially but well, not just that though like just uh, i mean turkey is your second home you're there for a a significant amount of time yeah would you consider moving back and uh and is there anything that you particularly miss about turkey you know my wife has family there so there would be very mm. good reasons to move back there um mm. now in terms of you know moving abroad again um i yeah. never i never want to uh pigeonhole myself into saying i would never go here or i would never want to move from here you know i mean miami is where i grew up but 
I don't want to say, well, this is where I live forever. I never want to do that. I always want to keep that possibility open. Even if I'm 40, 50, 60 years old, I always mm. want to live with the mindset of why not live here? Why not try this? Because, you know, we only live once the way I see it. We got to make the most of it. You lived in Vietnam. You lived in Japan. You lived in, in different places. You know, you, you, you got to try it. You got to see what it's like. So it's important to you to always stay flexible and to stay open-minded throughout your life. I, I yeah. think that's what keeps us young in a way, you know? Yes. Um, now, I've been living in Miami for the last four and a half years. You know, I haven't left Miami in, in four and a half years and I'm starting to feel mm. it, you know? Like I'm starting to feel mm. that, that itch, you know, that I've got the travel bug that never really goes away. And I, when mm. I say, I mean, I haven't left the country in four and a half years, like... I live a completely different life than I did before. And I feel, you know, a little bit isolated here in Miami, even though it's where I grew up and I have family, I don't quite feel at home here. You know, like I feel mm. that I felt more at home in Istanbul, which wasn't my home. I felt more at home in Korea, in a sense, which was a completely foreign alien world than I do here because that's because of my yeah. personality. So what do I miss about Istanbul? What do, I, what, do I, what do I miss about Turkey? Well, the energy and the freedom, I suppose, that I felt while living there. Um, the people are very special. Turkish people are very special. They have a reputation for being hotheads, you know, very hot-tempered, you know, angry mm -hmm. people. They're just passionate. Yeah. They're just very passionate about what they believe in, you know, mostly you know, they have which very strong political beliefs and stuff, which is okay. Yeah, which I but find very something kind. shared yeah, ac across like uh, the, the Mediterranean, you know, yeah. uh, like you have very passionate people and they love to talk about politics. The same in Italy, across yeah. the Balkans, yeah. uh, like Slovenia, Croatia, all of that. But I, I see what you mean. Like there is a certain fire in the, yeah. in the belly of the, of the, but, of the, the Turkish spirit, only from the two weeks I've been there, as I said, yeah. like I, I don't, Fully know, not like you, but they're um, they're very they're very kind and warm and generous people. Mm. Uh, there are exceptions, of course, but most of the people that I interacted with were, you know, very helpful and 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 just generous. You know, with their time, with uh, their affection, with their words, just very generous in general. And mm. um, but also, like Istanbul is a very special place. Istanbul is not Turkey, but Istanbul is like. It's like New York City, you know, on steroids, you know, it's like, it's crazy. And it's a city that actually keeps expanding. Like there's, it, it keeps expanding outwards. It's like, a, it just grows east and west. Wow. And, um, yeah. and um, it's pop, you know, new city centers are constantly popping up, you know, on the outskirts because there's so much demand. But Istanbul is one of those places where, you know, it truly never sleeps. Like you can be out any time of the day or night and just get around and, and walk around. And it's, I mean, maybe not the safest place in the world. If you stay in like well-lit areas, you'll be fine. But there's always energy. There's always people walking around in Istanbul. And and it's just, it's just got a great energy. Any time of day, there's something to do, something to see. I mean, I used to... You know, there's the Bosphorus, which is this, uh, it's this the, the river water. Yes. This, it's a channel basically that divides yeah. literally Asia the European and side and the East, you know, and some people mm. commute 
you know, they live on the Asian side and they commute by ferry. They take a boat, you know, in the morning and they work on the European side. And then in the afternoon, they take that boat back. You know, it's just so great to commute to work by ferry. You know, it's a short little uh -huh. ride. It's a, it's a 15 yeah. minute ride, but it's such a beautiful little part of the, of the day, you know, and Istanbul and is filled really... with those little moments, those little things that just yeah. you can soak in. And it's just a wonderful And you, and you really feel... I mean, it's been one of the most epic cities in the world for, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years. You have all that like pent up like energy of it's chaos. You know, Constantinople, right? Yeah. And then it became like the the seat of the the Ottoman Empire, right, uh -huh. for a bit. Um, and uh, so, I mean, and you just walk around at any historic part of Istanbul, and it's just. It's just steeped in history, and I don't know. Like yeah. I, I really definitely felt something there. Yeah. So, Dave, um, is there anything that you'd like to add to the podcast? Uh, I know I've taken up well, nearly uh, an hour or two hours of your time. Yeah, uh, I don't, but, I don't mind at yeah. all. But I, do, I do actually have two questions for you. If it's okay, if I can interview you for a second, is that okay? Okay. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. so my first question is about Hanoi and crossing the street. How do you do it? How do you cross the street in a city like Hanoi, where there's millions mm -hmm. of motorbikes and they don't stop for you, and it, it's terrifying? Indeed. So it's a very special skill. Uh, the bikes will always be there. Um, so you have to slowly walk, but at a steady pace. Steady means a continuous, like not stopping. Uh, don't suddenly accelerate and stop. Uh, don't stop in the middle of the road and then suddenly walk and stop. You just need to walk slowly and continuously and don't stop until you get to the other side. Because this way, the, the people on their motorbikes, they'll see you and they'll drive around you because they can see how fast you're going. Uh, it's uh, This is like the bike culture here. It's kind of everyone is subconsciously clocking where everyone else is all the time it's like they've got like a, a sixth sense and yeah like biking here is mad like every day to work uh i mean at least once per day i'm i'm my, my motorbike is on the sidewalk like the streets are so full of people i have to drive on the sidewalk and wow. if you're coming like face to face with someone the best thing to do is just slow down they'll see what direction you're going and then you both kind of nod at each other and go the other way. Because, I mean, th there'd be so many head-on collisions. Head-on collisions means like like face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Like, like, there's a, it's a special rhythm and uh, awareness that people have here. But anyway, it, that's how you cross the street. Just slow speed, and Speed steady. control. Control your speed. Exactly. Whether I, you're driving came, or walking. Yeah. My dad came to visit, and he just didn't get it. And I had to hold his hand and kind of <laughs> and together just like be like right just slowly yeah. steadily don't stop walking walk slowly yeah and just keep your eye on who's coming yeah. just in case they don't yeah. see you there's a small sure. chance there's a very small chance they won't see you right. but i mean this is how they've grown up like driving sure. this way so 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 that they will that's a good question and but probably quite interesting for those who haven't explored these uh this part of the world and so what's your second question then? Yeah, my second, my second question to you is something that, uh, you know, through social media, I've seen 
a lot of pictures and videos and stuff that you post, but I never really got to talk to you about this. And I was always very interested in, in how this came about or your experience with it. And um, this goes back to the time you were living in Japan. You were in a rock band in Japan. You were playing guitar and singing in, in a rock band in Japan. Is this right? Oh, those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me in, about uh, that. This mad glam rock uh, band. Uh, the singer was called Tomo Shaga. And then band name was called the Tomo Shaga Tribute Band. And this guy was like larger than life. Just like his loads of makeup. He dressed like Mick Jagger of Freddie Mercury, like a cat suit. He was like an English grammar teacher by day, but he's like a Japanese guy and Japanese grammar teacher by day in a suit, like rock star by night. And he would make like a five minute speech about himself before going on stage. And the minute like the drums kicked in and all that, he would just he'd be dry humping like the speakers, just kind of like beautiful sexually gyrating at the speakers, jumping on top of them, jumping off the speakers, doing backward rolls across the dance floor. And he was like 38 at the time. Uh, the guitarist was like a, an older, like complete alcoholic, like big belly. Uh, bald on top with just wispy hair around the sides and every band practice he would drink at least like eight asahi cans uh i mean he was always drunk every practice then he smoked like uh 14 mg tar cigarettes oh. and he just says these are my stairway to heaven mm. and but anyway he would uh transform before the gig he would disappear and suddenly like the bar would be would, where's where is he where's where's yusuke Suddenly the bathroom door would open and this guy would walk out in cowboy boots, like long blonde hair, wig, obviously like a long, long fader, a cowboy hat, pennants, like gold rings, black nail polish, and like a Gibson Les Paul, like a very cool 1970s rock star, rock star guitar, you know, slung around his waist. And uh, and then there was like a, like a small Japanese girl like playing. She was like, 30 but she kind of looked about 12 with just a massive grin on her face like drumming and then there's me just like running on the spot like on, on the drums yeah and me just like on bass just running on the spot that was a hilarious experience and actually the reason why i'm in a band now is because of him like i had given up music for like four or five years i was focusing on like meditation and yoga and other interests and uh, he in that band like i just remembered how much fun it can be and why I quit music before, didn't quit, but just stopped in my band is like, I was really trying to be a professional, like a successful professional musician, like a, a rock star and this, there's this big pressure I put on myself. And uh, in the end, I was like producing like pop tracks for like just really bad Eurovision entries. And, and then, yeah, so I stopped and then I was in this band and I was just like, I was driving in Hanoi. And just like my shoulder just started shaking to like bum 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 T Rex bum 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 kind of like a you know get it on bang a gong get it on like that kind of came into my head and I was like this is what Hanoi needs you know mm -hmm. it needs a rock and roll band like yeah. a rock and roll cover band yeah yeah and so. If it wasn't for the, and I turned up, so this was like a Tinder date, like a, a date, like an audition for a girlfriend and boyfriend, whatever. <laughs> All I could talk about was just like, I'm going to make Hanoi's 
best rock band. And I was just like a, like a madman, you know, like a mad wild-eyed scientist that had been up for to like 4 a.m. like trying to bring Frankenstein to life or whatever. I was just like completely possessed with this idea. How's it and going? we did it. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I've just got back to Hanoi two weeks ago. Uh, our first practice is next week. Uh, the first song, the old Judas Priest, like breaking the law, bre breaking the law. Uh, this is the first new one we're going to do. We're going to try and remember all the old classics, uh, Queen songs, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Beautiful. Uh, mostly like uh, UK and the USA, you know, classic rock from the 60s and 70s. The point is, anyway, like being in that band in Japan, like Tom Oshaga is the greatest front man I've ever worked with. Because he's so passionate and he absolutely loves what, and truly believes what he does, which is a just a liberator, a freer of people's souls. You know, we go on stage and we come off, and people just be like, "You guys, this is my band in Japan. You guys were just a, a party on stage. Like everyone just l loved the energy." Um, so yeah, and then so doing music now. Uh, with no expectations of stardom, no expectations of you know being a rock star, just doing it purely for a laugh, just for fun, just as a, as a way for friends to get up and shake their wide legs and <laughs> and hips, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, and just and just have a great laugh. And there's a great uh, music venue here called the Hanoi Rock City. That's like the main music venue. We usually play there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, kind of my recent music exploits and adventures in a nutshell for you. And that's a nice question to ask, actually. Yeah, cheers for that, because it's kind of made me remember, you know, uh, what, what, what I value about it and why I've got back into it. Yeah. So can I can I share now uh, a little bit about my course? I just want to show some slides and then my contact information. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like this is definitely uh, okay. one reason we're doing this, you know. Right. So I'd love, I'd love for you to share your your course with, with our right. listeners. Okay, okay, awesome. Let's go. So uh, uh, let's announce it for those just listening. Uh, Dave is sharing his screen. So go to the YouTube video. Yeah, go to the YouTube video to watch this. If you're just listening on your podcast, to so try and remember to do that. Okay, cheers, cheers, Dave. Sorry, yeah. continue, please. Yeah. And by the way, in, in I also have uh, videos on my YouTube channel, very short videos that show the process of the language acquisition process. So you can see and, and, and I will provide Tristan with the links. You can see videos of how a class might go. Right. So basically everything that I do uh, for my course is instructions based, meaning I believe that uh, the students should do most of the work. I've done all the hard work in preparing the material, but everything is based in instructions. Okay, so actually, I'm not going to start with this slide. We're going to start with something else. For example, this class here. Okay, so yeah, like for example, this would be like uh, a review of uh, the verb to be in the present or in the past, right? So for example, I, I always put instructions okay, on the screen. The instructions tell you what you have to do or not to do. So if you're watching, if you can see this, uh, then you can try to follow along. The instructions are to say two positive sentences and you have to use the correct pronoun, right? So we see the picture, 
of a man, and we see his present job, movie director, and his past job, cameraman. So the job is to say one sentence in the present and one sentence in the past. So the example, it would be, he is a movie director, right? Because that's the present. So we use is, right? Now in the past, we would say he was a cameraman, right? So this is a practice session for the students. When they come in, this is a review section of the previous class. So they already learned is and was. So now I show you another one. Okay. So again, it's a man. So is it he or she? Well, yeah, it's he. So present fireman, past construction worker. So he is a fireman. He was a construction worker. Okay. Here we have a woman. So we have to change it slightly, right? So I like to give students the chance to practice by changing small elements but continuing the practice, keep the practice going. Here we have a woman. She is a writer. She was a dancer. Okay. Another man. Switch it up. Man, woman, man, woman. Here's another man. Different jobs, different things to practice, different suffixes, right? Because some jobs, for example, end with I-A-N. Some jobs end with I-S-T. Some jobs uh, end with E-R. Some jobs uh, end in a completely different way, maybe man, M-A-N, fireman, policeman. So there's all, all these different suffixes. I try to give the students the chance to practice with the different elements, you know, put them together and make sentences that make sense, right? And here's the communicate section, again, with instructions, right? There's always going to be instructions when you come to take one of my classes. The instructions are to talk about jobs and answer the questions. The questions are, what is your job now? What was your job in the past? When? And was it a good job? Okay, and an example it says, I am a teacher now. In the past, dot, dot, dot. And then this is the chance for the student to actually practice on a higher level what we saw before, right? So everything is scaffolded, and that means in steps, right? We start off with something easier, and then we move on to something difficult. Another thing that I like to do in my classes uh, is play. Uh, games in a, in a sense, or do activities that uh, have proven themselves to be good activities in the classroom, whether they're face-to-face -face classes or online classes, some activities are just always good. You know, they always work. You know, one of those activities is the unscramble activity, okay? Basically, you take words and you mix up the letters. And again, I'll just share it. And, and I use this to practice vocabulary. You know, again, this is a review section. So I, I don't use this to teach the material. I use this to review the material, right? So you have to look at the photo. You have to put the letters in the correct order. You have to say the word and you have to spell the word. So you have to say book, B-O-O-K. And then we practice with words from, for example, the previous class's vocabulary. So the previous class's vocabulary was about jobs. So I show a picture of a musician, right? But the letters are all mixed up. It's N-I-M-C-U-S-I-A. So this practice is spelling, this practice is pronunciation, and it helps your memory. Using your memory is very, very, it's a really important tool. We have to constantly work your memory if we're going to make sure that these words stick. So here we have musician, okay? Actually, Tristan, why don't you play the part of the 
of the student and and mm -hmm. and we'll play along a little bit so it's your turn tristan so well t-e-a-c-h-e-r uh -huh. teacher exactly you say the word you spell the word you're following instructions and i show you the correct one okay what about this one Ooh, uh journalist so mm -hmm. that's j-o-u-r-n-a-l-i-s-t correct very nice okay and we'll do one more mm-hmm Caro kind of looks like a, a word, <laughs> doesn't it? It's like it could, could, it could be. be a word. Could be a, could uh, be a word. The first bit kind of looks like cr um, crafty or something. Uh, right, so she's in a uh, factory uh, or an engineer of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, factory worker. Right. Factory worker. That's Very it. Very good. Okay. Very yeah. good. Uh, F A C T O R Y. W O R K E R. Right. And and basically we have to remember that these are jobs and jobs always have a uh, suffix, you know. This in this case mm. it's E R, worker, right? And this one it's I S T, journalist. We would never say journaler or we would never say workist. It's just not the mm. way it works. So we're practicing with different ones. So unscramble, okay? Unscramble is an activity that works so well with so many different things right um here's another one that uh is is always uh, uh a lot of fun and it works in the classroom and it works online and this one is more difficult to be sure but i call this the memory chain okay this is just what i call it but basically the way it works and i'll skip ahead right so basically in this case the memory chain is where we work together, right, to create a chain, a link of words. So, for example, the sentence starter is in the past, okay? And then I was a. So, I would say in the past I was a doctor. Now, the other student has to repeat the sentence and add a word. In the past I was a doctor and a scientist. So, now it's my turn. In the past I was a doctor, a scientist, and an electrician. Tristan would say, in the past, I was a doctor, a scientist, an electrician, an and electrician a singer. And a singer. Right. And we would just keep going like this round and round and round, whether it's two students or three students or four students, right? Until one of us forgets or until we've had enough practice, right? So let's do it, right? Here we go. Here's the sentence frame. It says, in the past, Dave was. Hmm. So, Tristan, you start. In the past, Dave was a. Uh, we have to say one of these, right? It's a new memory chain, is that right? That's or correct. Doing the it, one from before. Okay. It in is the a past, new memory chain. Dave, good. Past tense, right? In the past, Dave was a factory worker. In the past, Dave was a factory worker and a fireman. In the past, Dave was a factory worker and a fireman and a journalist. In the past, Dave was a factory worker, a fireman, a journalist, and a scientist. In the past, Dave was a factory worker, a fireman, a journalist, a scientist, and a cleaner. In the past, Dave was a factory worker, a fireman, a journalist, a scientist, a cleaner and 
plumber. In the past, Dave was a fireman. Was a, sorry, that was a factory worker, a fireman, a journalist, a scientist, a cleaner, and a plumber. No, I think I. No, you're good. Did I get them all. You got them all, but you have to add. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed that. You see, so <laughs> obviously we speak English, so it's much easier for us. For the language learner, this is very, very challenging, but it can be done. It can absolutely be, be done. And this is good, not just for practicing vocabulary, but we're practicing the sentence frame. We're practicing the entire sentence. So we're practicing grammar and vocabulary because we have in the past, and that is, uh, you know, we also have was. So we're practicing um, a specific grammar structure while practicing vocabulary that we already know. So these activities are visual. They're always visual because this is how I conduct my classes. And I've created materials like this for pretty much every uh, uh, grammar topic that you can think of. Like there are mm. countless grammar topics, uh, you know, starting from the very uh, lowest level up to an intermediate level. Uh, once we get up to an upper intermediate level, um, I actually don't have those things prepared at the moment because these slides take forever to create, you know, like it's, mm. it's so much work. I mean, each presentation, each presentation yeah. is between 150 and 200 slides. Actually, this one's a bit shorter, but, um, it, it, to create one of these takes a long time and a lot of love and attention, attention to detail to give yeah. the student the best possible experience. Yeah, so, great. So you, you basically introduce language to them and through uh, enjoyable activities, uh, you, you get them to remember it and you practice it through these kinds of activities yeah. with you continuously guiding them. The idea is that, you know, uh, these are the things we do in class. And then after class, I make the presentation available to the student so they have access to it so that they can go back in and go through the slides and, and do it again. You know, I mean, like I said before, you, you got to do it not just once, twice, three times, four times. The more you do it, the more it's going to stick. You know, I like to support my students in, in, in every way possible. Um, so I give them lots of homework before class, lots of homework after class. Uh, the more you do, the more you benefit. And, you know, I try to give my students the tools that they need. And I believe that my, my platform uh, is very well laid out. I took all of the things that I know about teaching. I took all of the best things and I kind of mm. dumped them into this course. So well, that's 11 years of experience. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were literally and, and, and looking at effort. You were yeah. looking at 11 years of experience just now, you know, just it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's my baby. So, yeah. Yeah. So here's my yeah, contact well information. Here's my contact information. You can see the name of my school is Dave's English School. Not too hard to remember. That's kind of the point. And uh, yeah, you know, obviously English <laughs> lessons. My name is David, but people call me Dave. Either one is fine. So the website is www.davesenglishschool.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Dave's English School Miami. I'm also on YouTube. If you type in uh, Dave's English School into YouTube, you'll be able to see some videos of some classes that I've, I've done with students uh, with the materials similar to the ones you just saw. Not the exact ones, but you'll be able to see 
you know, an edited version of a class and how one concept goes to the next and how, you know, the concepts build on each other until you can communicate. We go from, you know, the lowest level of understanding, which is basically just recognizing and understanding to the highest level, uh, which is applying and using it uh, in the shortest amount of time possible, the way I look at it. Uh, you can With also enough dedication yeah, yeah. as well. Like that Turkish student we were talking about earlier today, right? Yeah. I mean, that is possible. Yeah. Like he, he's done this course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I mean, he, start, he started off at the first court, uh, first class, which was the verb to be, you know, positive. Yeah. Which is, mm -hmm. I am Dave. I am married. You mm. are from Vietnam. Yeah. And you were he saying is after 17 years old, like all of yeah. just the verb to be. And now he can use relative clauses. He can use, uh, he just speaks very, very, very well. Like he's gone through all of the, all of the lessons yeah. and kind of built it up the way you would build a puzzle in a way. Yeah. Um, which is how I like to think of language learning as well. It's, it's kind of like building a puzzle, you know, there's a strategy. You mm. got to start on the outside, you know, nobody starts a puzzle from the middle. You start on the outside and you work your way in. So you got to build For a sure. strong foundation. Yeah. There is, there is a kind of a side to language learning that's a bit kind of mathematical thinking, actually. Logical you know? thinking, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, logical, how you, you basically have to put uh, like subject, object, verb into the right places, use the right conjugations for yeah. verbs. And uh, I mean, they say, like, interestingly enough, like, I don't know if you've tried to learn Japanese or Korean, but all the words are in like a completely different order to English. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, what's the hardest language to learn in the world? Uh, of course, it depends what your native language is. Correct. But for an English speaker, Russian uh, or like Arabic? The five, the, uh, well, the five star languages they have is Japanese and Korean. I mean, I think Arabic is maybe. It was up there, like four yeah. or five stars. Russian as well. But I just remember trying to learn Korean. And I just remember looking at the expats who had learned Japanese. And I'm just like, and also when Koreans tried to learn, try to speak in English to me, I went, went for a staff night the other night and just sitting down with them chatting. Like you can see their brains just like whirring away, like doing all the calculations in their head of just like, you know, because that's how it is. English speakers forget how difficult it is for second language learners to speak in English fully. Like there's a classic, I mean, it was it's frustrating in Italian and I'm, I'm sure it is for many English, people speaking English. It's like, they, they're so intelligent and, and eloquent and speak beautifully in their own languages. But then when they, they can't communicate, they can't be the same person in English. And that's a, like a, a struggle that we, people who just speak English that they can't relate to, unfortunately, they don't appreciate how difficult that is for people. Well, that happens in any language. You know, I mean, it's like you in Italian, like, I don't know what your fluency is in Italian, but I mean, it's, mm. it's definitely not going to be your native language. You're not going to be able to express yourself the same way. Yeah, you might eventually, time. but it takes yeah. years and years and years. Awesome, Dave. So, um, I, I mean, honestly, like, thank you so much. Like, I know we've planned tried to do this for quite a while and this is this is th this style of zoom conversation is absolutely awesome i think people are going to really enjoy it and uh, i mean i would definitely be up for doing uh, uh podcasts in the future with you because i think you're an all a great guest 
uh, you know, because obviously it's educational and also it's funny and entertaining. Uh, you know, it's definitely made me reminisce, uh, remember with a smile on my face, many absolutely back in the day. And uh, yeah, so yeah, again, thank you for helping our subscribers, our thousands of uh, regular listeners that we now have. I'm, I'm sure they're going to really appreciate it. And uh, if you're interested in this course, please, as I said, all the contact details are in the description. One more time, thank you so much. Well, I want to thank you. Beautiful I day and week. Thanks. I want to. I want to thank you too, Tristan. Um, uh, I miss you. It's the truth. Like I think about you often, and 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 all the crazy times that we've had, and I feel like our lives are kind of parallel to each other in a way. Like we started off in the same place. You know, our paths are are kind of they kind of well, weave in and out of it. each other's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're still doing it. You know, like uh, who knew? Like eleven years ago, we're still. Uh, yeah teaching english uh we've developed like uh, online platforms for people to learn uh we've been in and out of different schools of various contexts yeah so uh yeah it's good to see you doing well and your hair is looking amazing now oh, you both thanks, got long man. hair yeah know? i see it was, uh, wasn't see like it. that before we yeah had nerdy kind of you know safe safe like teacher haircuts yeah we had the yeah that you know, that's that's done I'm, I'm done now we're older we're like we're keeping it real you know yeah. real people yeah yeah, yeah. awesome thanks right. tristan i really had fun and uh can't wait to to see you and to talk to you again had a great time For sure bro and uh cool